Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alvader. Fred, hi, how are you this week? Carlos, I'm fantastic. Uh, Thanks. Uh, We're winding down the year here. Um, we're less than 20 days away from Santa sliding down the chimney. If you don't have all of your Christmas presents bought yet, we're going to give our listeners a few timely ideas for the golfers in your life. A guy named Tiger made a lot of noise in the Bahamas, but your guy Hideki won again. American Harold Varner won down under. And Jay Marie Green earned a return to the LPGA Tour. There's a lot of golf from all around the world last week. Let's go, Carlos. Yes, a lot. And we have, you don't want to miss this, on the practice range, Fred and I, are. we already have our Christmas wishes here. So you don't want to miss what we have in store for that. And also our very important guest, VIG of the week is Alicia Larson, who is an LPGA teaching pro and the author of The Missing Link. So don't go, don't go anywhere. We have a lot to talk about, but we're going to start with the, with the weekend backspin. And Fred, the Hedo World Challenge, Tiger made news with his comeback, but it was Hideki Matsuyama. Yes, the one who got all the accolades. Carlos, as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of golf around the world last week, but by far all eyes were on the Hero World Challenge. It was the biggest event in golf since the Ryder Cup with the return of Tiger Woods to the golf course in over a year. And just like every other golf fan in the world, I was watching for the state of Tiger's game or lack thereof. I think everyone, including Tiger, was pleasantly surprised. Even though he showed signs of rust and was somewhat inconsistent, he put on a very good show and was able to compete all four rounds, plus the Wednesday Pro-Am. But first, let's talk about the hottest golfer in the world right now. Your guy, Hideki Matsuyama. No more Sergio for you. It's all Hideki from here on out, I know. Carlos? You have been predicting great things for Hideki for some time, but I have to tell you, I knew he was not for greatness because he won the 2014 Memorial. Anyone that wins a Jack's place is bound for great things. Hideki now has four wins and a runner-up in his last five starts worldwide. This was his third win in the U.S. in 2016. He beat Ricky Fowler in a playoff in the Waste Management Phoenix Open and finished the 2016 PGA Tour at number 13 in the FedEx Cup with over $4 million in earnings. 
He won in Japan in October, was runner-up in the CIMB, then won the HSBC Champions in China. He's leading the FedEx Cup and has moved to, wait for it, number six in the world ranking, Carlos. Hideki is showing the promise we have been predicting, and you have been all over him for three years, Carlos. Is this as good as it gets, or has he got more in the tank yet? Carlos, are you on mute? I'm not hearing you. I know I am biased on this because I, I, I've been high <laughs> on this guy like forever, right? But, you know, he's the first Asian player to win a WGC event. And now he has 12 worldwide victories. And even when he would defer with me on the opinion that, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize to the, all the Jumbo Osaki, Isao Oaki, and Chijeki Maruyama fans out there. But, hey, Hideki's the real deal. He's the biggest Japan player right now. And he will eclipse the worldwide accomplishments of all three combined by the time he's done. Count it on it. Write it down. I said it today, December sixth. What about Rio? What about Rio Ishikawa? You forgot him. Uh, no, he he he's not going anywhere. <laughs> let, let me give you some insights on him. You know, after finishing his Wednesday pro-am round, uh, Matsuyama was the last player on the practice green. He credited his countryman Hiroshi Iwata for helping him improve his body. That's what's been part of the great success he's been enjoying lately. You know, Iwata, who's 35 years old, has never been inside the top 60 in the world rankings. As a matter of fact, he was number 261 last week. But he gave Matsuyama a putting alignment training aid, a shoot-like device that is anchored to the green by golf tees. That Matsuyama was using as darkness approached Wednesday to stroke 10 putts into the hole using his left hand, 10 using just his right, and 10 using both hands. That drill, he said, has become part of his normal pre-round and post-round rituals. Matsuyama did make one change for this tournament, let me tell you. He employed Iwata's manager and caddy, Mei Inui, to carry his bag. And he said that she lifted his sagging spirits when his lead shrank from seven strokes to two. That overtime work that Matsuyama put in paid off. He used his potter to seal the, his third consecutive title and his fourth in his past five starts. You know, Matsuyama, who's only 24 years old, has quietly put together a closing stretch that calls to mind uh, somebody called Tiger's Woods' uh, performance at the same age. Uh, you know, since his fifth place at the Tour Championship in September, Matsuyama has won the Japan Open, placed second in the CIMB Classic in Malaysia, and captured the World Golf Championships event in Shanghai, the Taihichi Masters on the Japan Tour, and now this event impressing the host, Tiger Woods. Well, you know, he knows a little bit about hot streaks, you know. He, he has some knowledge about that. You might remember that between January 2000 and his 25th birthday that December, Tiger Woods won nine PGA Tour events, including three majors. So that's a streak, right? Don't call me sacrilegious by making that comparison, okay? Just take the big cat's word for it when he said, and I quote, it's going to give him a boatload of confidence going to the next year, and I think he's going to be one of the top guys to beat for a very long time, end of quote. That was Tiger Woods saying that. You might remember this tournament's last 20-something winner, 
somebody by the name of Jordan Spieth, right? In 2014, he used the result and also his third win in a row back then as a trampoline to make an impressive career jump. The next year, Spieth, as you might remember, he captured two majors and Player of the Year honors and vaulted from ninth to first in the world rankings. You know, I'm predicting a major for him next year, and I've always believed his best chance may be at the Masters, where he made the cut in 2011 as the first amateur competitor from Japan. He played the weekend as an amateur in 2012, finished fifth in 2015, and tied for seventh this year. On his personal side, well, he's more extroverted than the guy you, you, you mentioned, you know, the bachelor prince, uh, who is also known as his countryman, Ryo Ishikawa, who's a year older. But Masuyama has a puckish sense of humor that transcends his language barrier. He was asked Sunday, what does he do outside of golf to unwind and relax? And he calmly said, well, I drink sake. <laughs> you know, Matsuyama has one of the prettier swings in the game with a pause at the top that calls to mind a contended side. Uh, he said he smiles to mask the fact that he does not understand as much English as he would like and conceded that the spotlight that's following him like a comet's tail took some getting used to. One more thing before uh, on him before I pass it on to you, Fred. A reporter from India playfully suggested that if Matsuyama continued to win, he might consider offering free Japanese lessons to the reporters. He listened to the question as it was translated, and then he smiled and said, We'll see. <laughs> you know, Fred, I know he needs a bigger bandwagon because right now he has people jumping on it from all sides. Hey, Carlos, I got a little, I got a little uh, uh, quiz for you here. Um, best player in the world under the age of 25 right now. Of course, Hideki's 24, so he's one of the group. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Jordan Spieth. Um, he's he's had pretty good success. You got another young guy, Justin Thomas, has won a couple times in the last year. Had a bunch of top tens, been very competitive. And then you got two young ladies. You got Aria Jutanagarn, and then you've also got Lydia Ko, uh, who are both under the age of 25 and dominating the women's game. Of those five. Who is the best player right now in the world under the age of 25? You have to define what is best at this moment. Is it because of the results that that player has achieved or who you think has the best upside going after from now on? Well, I would just say right now, and let me, I'll tell you, let me do this. Aria Utanagarn in my mind, it's hard to beat. She had five wins. She won a major, and she added the race to the CME Globe. So that's a trifecta. You know, she's player of the year, all that stuff on the LPJ Tour. So to me right now, Aria Jutanagarn is the best under the age of 25. Hideki, over his last five starts, four wins and a runner-up, that's pretty strong, okay? Uh, but he hasn't won a major. He's competed. He's done well. Um, and, you know, Jordan's won a couple majors. He's very good. He, had, he won three times around the world this year. Uh, Lydia, of course, we know what she's done the last two years. She had another great year this year. She got shut out on everything, but she was she was right there. And then Justin Thomas is, is a distant fifth of that group. But but that's that's my thinking. Now, now what do you think? Well, based on that, what do you think? Well, I think that 
<clears throat> it's difficult to compare, you know, the women's game and the men's game and, and try to get somebody from both sides to see who's the best. Obviously, if I if I go by results, uh, I, I would have to go with Jordan if I go by results uh, up to this moment because, like you mentioned, Hideki has not won a major yet. Uh, Aria and, and, and Lydia have dominated the women's game, and, and, and even though the women's game is uh, deep, maybe even as deep as the, as the men. I think that the men, you can go down from one to a lot more lower than the women, and, and anybody can, can win maybe in the top 25 at, at, at any time. I, I cannot say the same thing in the women, other than maybe Brooke, uh, Charlie, and some others. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're going to do it on, on results, I would have to say Jordan Spieth. Uh, and uh, because of, of what he has accomplished, yes, last year he didn't, do that well, but I think that he was just tired of uh, of his of his uh, schedule that he had. He was just playing all over the place, and now he's rested, and, and I think he's he's going to be much better. Uh, to me, it's Jordan Spieth, and then Aria would be second. But the most upside to me, and uh, I'm biased, but right, I already said it. Is he like he's going to be the best going forward? Yeah, I uh, I thought that was an interesting question. They were talking about that on uh, on Golf Channel this afternoon, and uh, that kind of got my attention. They had a completely different take on it. Um, they said best in the world right now, and of course, Hideki with four wins and a runner-up, you know, maybe. But mm-hmm. Aria Jutanagarn with the five wins, Player of the Year, Race to CME Globe, a major. That's that's a really big year. That's tough to beat to me. And I agree with you. The fields are not as deep. There's not as many top quality players in the LPGA as there, as there are on the PGA Tour, but uh, that's still uh, that's still awfully good. Hey, Carlos, to wrap up the uh, the rest of the uh, Hero World uh, Challenge, Henrik Stenson capped off a pretty good year himself. Uh, there was a historic win over Phil Mickelson at Royal Troon, and then the Olympic silver medal, plus he did not let Hideki run away and hide in the Hero World Challenge. Most recently, he finished second to Hideki at the HSBC Champions and had to settle for that same runner-up again this week. Although Matsuyama had stretched his five-shot, 54-hole lead to eight shots after the first five holes on Sunday, Stenson made an eagle at number nine, coupled with some problems from Hideki. It made it close. But Stenson made a couple of three-pots, Hideki hung on, and Hideki hung on for the win. Well, that's all nice and good, but the real story of the tournament was Tiger Woods. We all know that. Hideki, it's wonderful that you won and all that, and Stenson had a great year, but we really care about Tiger. We really care about the rest of you. So, Tiger, here's the numbers, okay? He posted scores of 73, 65, 70, and 76. Carlos, we talked about this last week. Anything under 80, if he shot four rounds in the 70s, we thought that was going to be fantastic. He stuck a 65 in there. That was unbelievable. His front nine, I watched pretty much every shot of his front nine on uh, Thursday, and it was almost flawless. He was four under after nine holes. He was after eight holes. He was playing fantastic. Then the wheels came off a little bit. Second stat, he missed a ton of fairways for the week. He was only 29 of 52 of fairways hit. That was the real Achilles heel. Uh, he's pulling that driver a little bit left. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. He was 49 of 72 in greens of regulation. He hit the irons really well, but there were some moments 
the driving really is what put him in the problem. His GIR would have been a lot higher if the drives wouldn't have gone in some places where he just couldn't recover. He had 108 putts for the week. Um, that's quite a few. Uh, he moves from 898 in the world to number 642, only uh, 636 <laughs> spots behind uh, Hideki. <laughs> so he's got some making up to do. But the good news is he can make it up fast with a couple good, uh, couple good finishes. Um, here's the good news, Carlos. Tiger's length and swing speed is very good. He was consistently out driving Patrick Reed by nearly 20 yards. The bad news, he was missing left. But he can fix that because it was predominantly a miss left. If you're just missing one way, you can work that out. If you're missing both ways, that's a problem. He did miss a couple to the right, but not too bad. It, that really didn't hurt him. It was the misses left that killed him. The swing that he's using now under swing coach Como employs more arms and less body turn which would require him to time the release a little bit better than before. Before, he was strictly using the right hip, the right shoulder, to turn the club through and, and turn his body around. Uh, and that's what got him in problem with the back. So to take some stress off, there, he's not limiting the body turn and, and, and running the hands, getting the arms out ahead of him more and using the arms and hands more. So that requires a little more timing. That will come. With more practice, more more competitive golf, that that will straighten itself out. But under pressure, that's something to watch for. Uh, that left miss will will come back. This swing is much more like the Butch Harmon swing that he had when he was in college when he first came up on tour. Uh, much much more like that. Um, Woods looked very confident with his iron play. This has always been a strength, and he made great recoveries. When he was in position, he had some quality irons in the greens. Led the field in birdies for the week. But that inconsistent with the driver, put a lot of pressure on his chipping and putting. And for the most part, he chipped and putted pretty well. He had a couple poor chips and a couple that were kind of mediocre. But for the most part, his chipping was not that bad. And his putting was really acceptable for, for his first tournament back. So for this, all this stuff, with more tournament play, it's going to get better and better. You know, I would say after about three or four tournaments next year, if his body is, holds up, I think he's going to be right back. I think he's going to be a force. The biggest issue for him last week was not really about the scoring. It was about how his back and knees would respond for four competitive rounds of big-time golf. His caddy, Joe LaCava, said after Tiger finished for the week, there was plenty of good shots. There were good things to take away from it, and he made some putts. Honestly, my goal personally, and this is Joe LaCava, was to get him through five rounds on his feet. That doesn't sound like much, but he hasn't been doing much of this type of thing. The fact that he feels good after each day, I think, is great. And Tiger made a comment that, you know, he starts to start the day a little bit earlier, getting loose, getting warmed up as he's getting older. Um, but, you know, he's felt good after the round. He felt strong. Um, he made a comment that he's got to get his weight back up. He's lost a little more weight than he, than he feels like he should. Um, and so that will help his endurance maybe a little bit more. But um, Tiger said it was different to play without a golf cart. He did not get too tired or sore and felt confident about himself. <laughs> I haven't played. I need to play more tournaments. 
Zero in 15 months is not a lot. So this is one. I thought I made some good, positive things happen this week, made a lot of birdies, also made a lot of mistakes. Those, most of those mistakes I can clean up. I know. They're silly mistakes. And then talking uh, with Steve Sands after the finish on Sunday, Tiger said, it was a great week to be back and competing. I made a ton, ton of birdies, but I made a lot of mistakes. It's really great to get the body back and focus for a long period of time. Carlos, what I saw was a ton of relief from Tiger that it appears his back will allow him to weather the rigors of professional golf. And his game, with a few tweaks and fixes, will allow him to compete at a very high level once again. Oh, I guess, hello world, huh? Hello world. <laughs> 20 years, 20 years after he shyly uttered those famous words, you know, the chosen one has again set foot on a golf course. Uh, he's been, he, he has been resurrected by the Ryder Cup. Of course, and how ironic is that the second coming of Tiger Woods is just upon us. You know, he will turn 41 at the end of this month, but heck, old man Woods looks as if he may have another major within him. Even the week's setting scene charged with meaning. I mean, did Tiger really return among us at a place called New Providence? It's ironic. It's incredible, you know, or was it... Just a rich man's marina full of yachts and super cruises in the Bahamas. You know, there's always been that ambivalence about him. But so this was this comeback, the real thing. Stunningly, there were times over the, those days when the flow he had through the driver, the club that wrecked so many of his later years, reminded you of when Tiger was a kid coming out on tour after three spinal surgeries and 466 days away. Woods is once more able to turn his back to golf like the boy he used to be. And maybe finding that kid again is the secret to it all. You know, Woods certainly looks far more at ease with himself. He was touched, as you might remember, when this year's American Ryder Cup team lined up in t-shirts found by Zach Johnson with the message, Make Tiger Woods Great Again. It might have seemed like an insult to the old Tiger, but he was genuinely moved by the show of support. These days, his ambition is to play golf for the rest of his life. Professionally, with his mates, or alone of an evening, he just wants to be able to play. On his play this past weekend, you know, he never came to terms with the final hole of the Albany course. On the first day, he put a driver in the water. On the final day, he chickened, he chickened out of rotating through the three wood and splayed it right, saying, oh, sh and I'm not going to say the word, but he said it. Uh, there are holes in Tiger's heads, obviously. But you know what? He did lead one category in the tournament, and an important one, and you might not even know that. He made the most birdies of anybody in the tournament. That tells you how, how bad his driving was, okay? That old Scotty Cameron putter, which, which he won 13 of his 14 majors, was, re was releasing sweetly. He was able to control the trajectory of his irons. There was so much to celebrate, not least the pure happiness that Woods felt at times competing again with the world rope off at peace inside of him. Who among us is not now looking forward to the Masters with a heightened anticipation? Who among us is not now looking forward to the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills where the Wisconsin Cheeseheads will rock up from Milwaukee with a belly full of booze? 
then we shall really find out how at peace Tiger is. But not so long ago, we remember that Woods was practicing in the back garden uh, when he hit the nerve in his back. He laid on the ground, unable to move. The cell phone was out of reach. Then his daughter Sam comes out and wonders why Daddy was laying on the ground. But Fred, you know, it is happy to wonder. It's a happy wonder to see Tiger Woods standing so tall again. If at least it was for one weekend. I agree, Carlos. I agree. Can't wait, boy. You talk about the Masters. That's that's gonna be good stuff. We got these young guys playing well. Hideki, Jordan. Throw Tiger in there, Dustin Johnson. Oh, baby. It's going to be good. It's going and to be Jason real good. Day. Jason Day, too. Jason, oh, my God. Yeah, all day. Jason's been off. You know, we got Justin Rose now bothered with a bad back, too. I, oh, man. But it's going to be good stuff, Carlos. I can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. But hey, <laughs> there was also action down under. And you mentioned Haddle Varner III. He put last season's playoff heartbreak behind him to card a closing round of 65 and win his first European Tour title at the Australian PGA Championship. Varner entered the final round 12 months ago in a share of the lead, but a closing 75 in testing conditions at RACV Royal Pines Resort saw the American finish level par and lose out on the first playoff hole to Nathan Holman. This time around on the Gold Coast, Varner teed off two shots behind longtime leader Andrew Dodd, and while the two went toe-to-toe in a thrilling battle down the stretch, his second 65 of the week saw him win by two shots on 19 under par. The Queenslander Dodd signed for a bogey 369 to sit at 17 under, two shots clear of countryman and 2013 champion and former world number one Adam Scott. Another Australian, Ashley Hall, was then at 14 under, four shots ahead of his compatriot Brett Rumford, who showed signs of a return to form after a testing 2016 campaign. Australian amateur Brett Coletta, he finished in the group at 8-under alongside countryman John Senden and Darius Van Driel of the Netherlands. Challenge Tour graduate Ryan Fox was then at 7-under, a shot ahead of Stephen Gallagher, Scott Henn, Romain Langais, Tom Lewis, and Prom Mizuwat. Varner is the first American to win the Australia PGA, Australian PGA title since Hale Irwin did it back in 1978 at Royal Melbourne, Melbourne and the first non-Australian to claim the title since 1999 when New Zealander Greg Turner lifted the trophy. You know, since turning professional in 2012, the 26-year-old's only three victories have come on the USA's third-tier e-golf tour in 2013. Inspired by Tiger Woods as a youngster, he became the first African-American to graduate from the Web.com tour, which he did just a little more than a year ago. However, he said that nothing that he has done so far compared to Sunday's victory. You know, Fred Varner, who is the only player other than Tiger Woods with black heritage on the PGA Tour, uh, ranked 184th in the world, recorded four top 10 finishes last season and picked up more than $1.3 million in his rookie season on the PGA Tour. And he's hoping this win is the launching pad for a better 2017. Yeah, we've been watching him for a couple of years and, uh, you know, he's just progressively getting a little bit better. So big win for him. Should be a big confidence boost going into next year. Carl, let's just talk a little bit about the LPGA. Uh, Jay Marie Green won the LPGA Q School for the second time in her short professional career. 
I'm not sure that's something you want to brag about, but uh, Olafia Kristen Dodder becomes the first person from Iceland to play on the LPGA Tour. She was runner-up and earns her card. Bev Allen, riding her confidence streak from two wins on the Ladies European Tour and with Sophie Gustafson on her bag, will return to the LPGA Tour as a full member in 2017, along with fellow uh, Ladies European Tour member Mel Reed. India's Aditi Ashok, we talked about her last week. She missed gaining her full LPGA Tour status by two shots, tying for 24th, but she does earn partial status and will be able to play some LPGA starts uh, in addition to her Ladies European Tour schedule next year. She made it to the Olympics this summer, if you remember, won back-to-back events on the Ladies European Tour as a rookie. Uh, two amateurs, uh, Regan Day Guzman from the Philippines, tied for 14th, and USC senior Karen Chung finished tied for 19th. So they were both inside the top 20 to earn full status and immediately announced their professional uh, that they were turning professional. Sedina Parks finished tied for third to earn a return to the LPGA Tour for her next season. We've talked about Maria Stackhouse. She finished outside the top 20, but she does earn her partial status along with Stephanie Meadow. Christy McPherson and Emma Talley did not make the top 70, but will have symmetric tour status for next year. Vicki Hurst and Holly Clyburn withdrew due to illness. Holly uh, contacted the uh, flu and just couldn't make it to the tee, had to withdraw and so she headed on to uh, Dubai for this week's tournament. Carlos, uh, as we have been talking, um, this was probably the final LPGA Tour Q school where players could earn full LPGA Tour cards. In the future, a new three-event qualifier will replace the five-round Q school, or players will be able to earn a card through participation on the Sumatra Tour. So LPGA season wrapped up. Uh, they start again at the end of January. Uh, you got uh, 40, well, you got 20 new cards here. You got 10 off the Sumatra Tour, plus you got another uh, 25 uh, partial status. So uh, the fields keep getting younger. They keep getting stronger on the LPGA Tour, Carlos. I can't wait for that season. It's going to be a great season next year for the LPGA. We're going to talk a little bit about the the schedule that they released in the Par 5 meeting. So I'll leave it for then. But, hey, there was action also on the European Tour where Brendan Stone of South Africa cruised home to a seven-shot victory over countryman Richard Sterney in the Alfred Downhill Championship at Leopard Creek Country Club. Stone started the final day three shots in front of his nearest challengers, and he closed with a fine fourth round of 67 to move further ahead and finish well clear of the field. Stone was challenged by four-time winner Charles Schwartzel early on Sunday, as he fired three birdies in the front nine to join Stone briefly at the top of the board. But Stone pushed ahead again with a birdie on the sixth and then put his foot on the floor on the back nine with birdies on the 10th, 11th, 13th, and 14th holes. By that point, he had a six-shot lead, and by the time he putted out for victory on the finishing hole, he was seven clear. Schwarzel stumbled with a triple bogey in the 15, and Richard Sterney ended the day alone in second place with Thomas Dietrich of Belgium in third. This was the second European Tour title for the 23-year-old Brendan Stone, and a second year in 2016. He won the BMW SA South Africa Open in January. 
He's now exempt on the European Tour to the end of 2018 and moved into the top 75 on the official World Golf Rankings. He's the very early leader, very early leader on the 2017 race to Dubai standings. Charles Russell, he was aiming to win his, this event for an incredible fifth time. He gave himself a chance, like I mentioned before, with a strong start on Sunday, briefly joining Stone in the lead. But things got away from him in the back nine. He dropped a stroke in the 13, and then that triple bogey that I mentioned in 15, and a double on the 16. He came home in a 41. He was limping, basically, there. And finished the tournament in a tie for fourth, 10 shots behind Stone. You already know, let me tell you this, pay attention very close. You already know about Thomas Peters, the young Belgian that broke through last year on the European Tour and had an impressive outings in the Olympics and Ryder Cup. We have talked at length about it. Well, I'm going to bring you another young Belgian, and I'm going to make you aware of, and that is Thomas Dietrich, who had a great week. He was playing just his fifth European Tour event. He's 23 years old, and he finished the week alone in third place. Fred, he only turned professional this year, but has already made a name for himself through his performances on the Challenge Tour. He won the Bridgestone Challenge held at Heathrow Park this August with a record score of 29 under par. So remember that name, Thomas Dietrich of Belgium. Yeah, jumping from the uh, young guys there to the old guys, uh, as we know, the Champions Tour is the most difficult tour to earn a card. Unless you've been a consistent winner on the regular tour or a former major champion, there are not many spots available in the fields each week on the Champions Tour. Most events only support an 81-man field and are invitationals. Monday qualifying or sponsors exemptions are a must for anyone not eligible to get into most fields. Only five full-status cards were issued from a field of 78 last week in the Champions Tour Q School held on the Magnolia Course at Disney World. Scott Perrell and Philip Price tied for medalist honors and both secured fully exempt status for the 2017 season. Bobby Gage birdied his final three holes to garner the third card. The final two spots were earned in a three-for-two playoff with Fran Quinn, Skip Kendall. They got the final two cards. They beat out um, Gibby Gilbert the third. Quinn birdied the final hole of regulation to get into the three-man playoff and then earned the fourth card when he birdied the first extra hole. Quinn's best finish of 216 was a T4 showing at the American Family Insurance Championship, and he finished 57th on the money list. On the second extra hole, Skip Kendall hit his approach shot from the hazard to six feet, made the birdie, and he got the fifth card. Kendall only played in four PGA Tour Champions events in 2016. As I mentioned, the third member of the group, Gibby Gilbert III, was the odd man out and will only have partial status on the Champions Tour. Some familiar, fa- some familiar names missed out on cards Jim Carter, Brian Henninger, Lee Rinker, John Rieger, Rod Spittle, Barry Lane, Grant Waite, Gary Halberg, Paul McGinley, Ted Treba, and John Van de Velde are only a few of the names that did not earn Champions Tour cards. So, you know, it's just, I mean, you, you, those guys are qualified for, like, the U.S. Open, you know, some of the things they can do qualifiers, things to get in. But uh, it's really tough. The Champions Tour also announced a schedule for 2017, 
There's going to be 26 official tournaments and two challenge season events. The 23-event regular season will again highlight the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs, which will be used to determine the season-long Charles Schwab Cup champion. It will host events in four countries and 18 states. Total prize money available is $55.7 million. The 2017 season will feature five tournaments with new host venues, including Trump National outside D.C., Salem Country Club in Peabody, Massachusetts, Keys Valley Golf Club in suburban Baltimore, which we saw the International Crown a couple of years ago, Whirlpool Qual Golf Club in Wales, and Phoenix uh, Country Club. The season will begin with a Mitsubishi Electric Championship again in Hawaii, set for January 16th. Um, David Tom turns 50 on January 4th, expected to make uh, his PGA Tour Champions debut. Tom's will, be developed by, uh, Tom's will be joined by fellow rookies Steve Stricker and Jerry Kelly during the season next year. Stricker is going to be the host of the American Family Insurance Championship, turns 50 in February. And uh, so he's expected to be on the uh, on the Champions Tour a little bit. He's playing so well on the regular tour. I can't see him playing many events. Uh, but he's also going to be the uh, captain next year of the U.S. President's Cup team. So Strick's going to have a busy year next year. Um, Carlos, a couple of real quick previews this week of stuff going on. Uh, the PNC Father-Child event will be aired on TV this weekend, as well as the Shark Shootout. Both are team events. The PNC is popular because it pairs former major champions and PGA Tour greats with their offspring. Always entertaining to watch. Always enjoy it. It's fun to watch the kids. The Shark Shootout draws an elite field of two-man teams that compete in scramble, alternate shot, and best ball formats over the three days. It's held at Tiburon Golf Club just outside of Naples, Florida. Golf Channel will air Thursday and Friday coverage in the afternoon, and Fox will host the final round on Saturday. Some of the teams competing, Jason Duffner and Brant Snedeker, uh, Matt Kuchar, Harris English. Here's a curious pairing of Luke Donald and Russell Knox which adds a little European flair to the event. Smiley Kaufman is paired with Justin Thomas. Uh, they represent the youth group. And a new twist for this year, Lexi Thompson will pair up with Bryson DeChambeau for a, uh, for a team. And, Carlos, just an announcement that was made today in Ryder Cup news, Thomas Bjorn was chosen as a European Ryder Cup captain. They announced a selection uh, this morning. He will captain the team uh, for Europe in 2018 in France. Bjorn is now 45 years old, has played in three Ryder Cups, and served on four other European teams as a vice captain. He will be the first Scandinavian to serve as a European captain, Carlos. And that's not news. I mean, everybody knew it. It's just that they announced it officially. That's what, that's what you're saying. Yeah, finally announced yep. it officially. Finally okay, announced okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that will wrap up our weekend backstream. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have the Part 5 News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraftSports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraftSports. Now, back to the show. 
and now it's time for the part five news and Fred, we have some notes on HSBC Business Forum from Santa Vedra at the TF the News. Yeah, the uh, 13th annual HSBC World Golf Forum was held last week in Ponte Vedra. If you remember last year, we had uh, Jim Nugent on, the publisher of uh, Global Golf Post, went to China to go to it last year. And so uh, I've been kind of keeping an eye on that. Uh, It was the first time that it has been held in the United States. And the theme of the conference was Connecting the World of Golf. Over 200 delegates attended sessions and heard from Jack Nicklaus, Annika Sorensen, and other world golf leaders. The USGA's Mike Davis, Anthony Scanlon from the uh, International Golf Federation, Ty Votoff from the PGA Tour, took part in a panel breaking down the good and bad from the 2016 Rio Olympics. Votoff said given the interest, TV ratings, and sponsorship money, golf will be involved with the Olympics in the future. Also, that the PGA Tour may have to take a lesson from the LPGA and not schedule events the week of the, the Olympics and major events so close to the Olympics. Scanlon noted the IGF numbered 106 members prior to the Olympics. That number jumped to over 150 after the Olympics. He also noted that the growth in junior golf in China is reaching double and triple digits. Scanlon also said that LPGA Tour Commissioner Michael Wan has told him he has not seen anything trigger the investment in international golf development like the Olympics. In other news from that meeting, John Padani from the LPGA said the LPGA and the PGA Tour are in serious discussion for a mixed team event. A global study into female golf participation found that women offer a huge growth opportunity for, of upwards to $35 billion dollars. The main motivators for more women to either take up the game or return to it are outdoor activity, relaxation, and spending time on the course with family. Annika Sorensen addressed the members of the, on the final day and said she has no regrets about retiring at a relatively young age. She talked about her design experiences with both Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer and said her current businesses and captaincy of the 2017 European Solheim Cup team keeps her involved with the game. So they covered a lot of stuff. Did a rehash of the Olympics. All it's all good, and they talked about uh, how to get more women involved in the game. And and they didn't talk. I didn't see much talk about juniors, but they did say China is growing very rapidly, Carlos. Well, they're thinking uh, like everybody else in in Asia. That prime market yeah. is everybody's trying to get at. So uh, at least they're looking for growth uh, somewhere. Hey. But let me tell you about the 2017 LPGA Tour schedule that may well be the best in the history of the tour. Not only we had already talked about how great uh, Lydia and Aria are playing, but also about Charlie Hall and Brooke Henderson and Ingi Sean and Ingi Park should be next uh, next year playing again. And all the rest, Sean Sean Fong, Hana Yang, uh, Haru Nomura. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And there's so many great players that are going to be on this which should be maybe the best uh, in the in the history of the tour. Why? Because it's a 35-event docket that boasts nearly $68 million in prize money, which is an all-time record, and an increase of nearly $5 million over last year, and one more official event that was played this year. LPGA Tour Commissioner Michael Wan announced the schedule that includes four new events 
and the 2017 Solheim Cup and begins with the Pure Silk Bahamas LPGA Classic in late January. The new events are the Thornberry Creek LPGA Classic, which will be held outside of Green Bay in Wisconsin, the Aberdeen Asset Management Lady Scottish Open in Ayrshire in Scotland, the Indy Women Intech Championship at the Brickyard Crossing on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and the McKayson New Zealand Women's Open, which would be the national championship there in Auckland in New Zealand. The LPGA lost events in San Francisco, the Swinging Skirts Classic in Alabama, the Yokohama Tire Classic, and Ocala, Florida, the Coast Golf Championship, but Swinging Skirts stays on as the title sponsor, sponsor replacing Fubon at the Taiwan Championship. Worth noting is that the Lorena Ochoa Invitational will also move from the penultimate spot on the schedule to the spring, uh, becoming the Lorena Ochoa match play with 32 players. When once mandate, you know, he when he took over as a commissioner seven years ago was to rebuild the tour's schedule, which had withered down to 23 events in 2011 with title sponsors abandoning in bunches. The 2017 schedule features 11 more official events than the tour played in 2011, with seven more North American events and $26 million more in prize money. While next year's domestic schedule is substantially stronger than it was in 2011, it does feature one fewer domestic event than it did this year. Uh, Overall, 22 of the 35 events are scheduled for North America, Fred, of the 30 returning events, 11 will have bigger purses, including four of the five majors, with the U.S. Women's Open still the tour's top purse, increasing from $4.5 million to $5 million next year, which will be the largest, highest LPGA purse in history. Yeah, up uh, up over uh, $4 million bucks, uh, for the for the year, total purses. Um, Majors up, you know it's it's all good on the LPGA tour right now. Uh, Michael Wan has that baby humming. Uh, hey, Carla, here's a story. I'm going to kind of go off on a little rant here um, after as I go along in this thing. So rant? bear with me. A you're you're going to rant? Just just a little just bit a of a rant. Um, just a, just a okay, bit. Okay, just, just a bit. Slow slow play uh, rage was a culprit of an attack with a deadly iron at Indian Creek Golf Club just outside of Dallas last week. It seems that Michael Plumley, who was 27, and three of his friends were wrapping up putts on the 17th hole when a member of the group following them evidently was weary of what he thought was slow play, fired a shot onto the green while the Plumley group was putting out. Witnesses said that the suspect, Kevin K.O. Civile, broke golf etiquette by hitting second shot into the green. Plumley was not happy with the breach of golf etiquette, threw Sibley's ball off the green. Sibley then approached swinging an iron and hitting Plumley in the back of the head. He hit him repeatedly, not just once, okay? The attack continued even after Plumley fell to the ground with serious injuries. I mean, throwing a guy's ball off the green, that's, uh, you know, that merits being attacked, right? So Plumley was rushed to the hospital with a fractured skull. If you saw the pictures, it was not pretty. Uh, there are pictures if you want to look at it on Golf Digest. The story's in there. Carrollton Police said Civilly tried to leave the golf course before they arrived, but was blocked by golf carts. He was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. 
And, um, <laughs> you know, this is not good for this guy. Carlos, when you get some macho Texans who may have had one too many adult refreshments, uh, tempers can flare. This is an unfortunate incident, but anyone who plays golf has been in exactly this situation. Someone hits into the group ahead of them. I need to say right now, that's absolutely not acceptable. I have been hit a couple of times. Once was not my fault. The other was due to an absolutely idiotic player who I really wanted to do bodily harm to, but my wife was playing with me and made me calm down. Um, Hitting someone with a golf ball or a golf club is a very serious thing. Carlos, our our guest interview tonight, Alicia Watterson, who we're going to hear from later, was hit in the head by a golf ball uh, while she was giving a lesson on the range. She was severely injured and required several years to fully recover and return to teaching golf. When I work with junior players, the first thing I teach is to make sure who is around you when you are swinging a golf club and not to walk near anyone who has a club in their hand. We like to promote the positive side of golf and all the enjoyable things about the game, but this is a truly unforgivable sin, and I am sure the offensive player will be prosecuted for this idiotic behavior. And, Carlos, I just, I just hate to see this on the golf course. I know I've been there. I, you know, guys get pissed. You know, they want to get gone. And, but you know what? It's a game. We just got to slow down. We got to, we can't do this kind of stuff. This is just, this is bad. You know, I, I am one that don't like slow play, but I would never, ever get to that point. You know, I, I that's really. Unfor- unforgivable, and uh, no, no, there's no place for that in golf, man. That's, and that should be, he should receive the, a, a full punishment for that, and hopefully serve an ex- as an example that, that just has no place in golf, no place in golf. Hey, let's uh, talk about some other news. You know, last week we talked about an AFP report that says, uh, that the Olympic golf course in Rio may be just a month or so away from losing the ability to maintain fairways and greens, claiming that the existing maintenance company Pro Golf is not getting paid and the clubhouse is unfurnished and all signs are just pointing to trouble. Well, according to a report by Rex Holgert on thegolfchannel.com, things are not as dire at the Olympic golf course as that recent report would suggest, at least according to the officials with Brazilian Golf Confederation. In an email to GolfChannel.com, Brazilian Golf Confederation President Paulo Pacheco said the Gil Hans design course is currently going through a soft opening and that the maintenance of the course will continue at the same quality level. Now, Pacheco said in a statement, and I quote, the field will not die in three or four weeks, as some sources indicated. We're not promoting the Olympic golf course with great publicity precisely because it does not yet have the structure at the international level, end of quote. I don't know if he meant that it will not die in three or four weeks and maybe in five or six, so I'll leave it at that. But anyway, Pacheco did acknowledge that ongoing financial and political turmoil in Brazil has impacted the development of the Olympic golf course and greatly interferes with third-party investments. Cost is another issue cited in the AFP report. According to Pacheco, 
grain fees currently range from $50 to $81 and around $10 to play the adjacent four-hole layout twice. As part of the course's legacy plan, juniors can play the four-hole course for free. According to Pacheco, there are 2,000 juniors enrolled in the Golf for Life program, which will be hosted on the Olympic course when it officially opens next year. Pacheco also said the Confederation has not requested any financial assistance to help maintain the course from the International Golf Federation or any other international agency. Fred, the IGF has offered Pacheco and the Confederation support in the Olympic course's transition to a public course, according to a statement they released this past week. I certainly hope, really, I certainly hope that this is all true and all parties can find common ground and can work together to find both a short-term and long-term solution to this whole ordeal. I second that motion, Carlos. Hey, Carlos, uh, let's talk a little bit about junior golf. Uh, you know, you got the first tee, you know, you got the PGA Junior Golf League, you got local golf associated, junior golf associations, all promoting golf to, to kids and get them playing. Uh, and once they kind of progress from that, they're better players and they're looking for something the next level, uh, that's the American Junior Golf Association or the AJGA. Um, we have uh, had people from the AJGA on. We've talked about it before. But they're achieving competitive excellent program or ACE grant program reached a milestone last week of $3 million. The ACE grant is a financial assistance program that provides opportunities to deserving young men and women who are pursuing dreams of earning a college golf scholarship through competitive junior golf. The kids on AJGA, the, the golf coaches from the big universities around the nation all watch the AJGA golf tournaments, and that's where they do their main recruiting from. In 2003, the AJGA gifted its first ACE grant to private donations, ultimately helping 12 junior golfers compete in national junior golf events. In 2016, the program hit a new record with 206 recipients. The AJGA has given more than 1,500 grants, reimbursing 820 players. The program hit the $2 million mark in 2014. Smiley Kaufman became the first ACE grant recipient to win on the PGA Tour at the Shriners Hospital for Children Open last year. Rolex put the seed money in the ACE grant program in 2004, and since they've been joined by the Annika Foundation, Jimmy and Aaron Walker, Patrick and Justine Reed, the Payne Stewart Family Foundation, Polo, Ralph Lauren, as well as Wyndham Worldwide to raise funds for junior golfers. Additionally, AJGA alumni on the PGA and LPJ tours, as well as thousands of private and corporate donors, have invested in golf's next generation, com committing charitable and personal funds to the program. The ACE grant players have earned more than $14 million in college scholarships and over 339 players have signed national letters of intent at 196 different universities. To reach $3 million in reimbursements with our ACE grant program is exceptional, said AJGA Executive Director Stephen Hamblin. The ACE grant is one of the most important initiatives the AJGA has ever undertaken. 
It provides an opportunity for many talented young golfers to fill the mission of competing on the college level, and we are extremely proud of its service to the next generation. Carlos, as we know, it's expensive to help your child compete in golf at a national level. The AJGA through the ACE Grant Program provides the best schedule of events nationwide, and college coaches from around the country watch those results. If any of our listeners have a talented young golfer but are struggling to enter them in AJGA events due to the lack of extra family funds to spend on travel, check the AJGA website at AJGA.org and get more information on the ACE Grant Program. It's helped hundreds of young golfers to make their way to college through earning college scholarships for golf. And, Carlos, that is all I have for the Par 5 News for December 6, 2016. And now we're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we have the practice range and our wish list for Santa. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And now it's time for the practice range where every week Fred and I pick a topic and each of us take our own take on it. So uh, this week uh, is, you know, Christmas is around the corner. Like Fred said, just less than 20 days from now, Santa will be coming down the chimney and we have our own wish list for him. And Fred, I'm going to let you go ahead and and, and say yours first this time. So uh, what do you have on your wish list for Santa this, this year? Well, Carlos, I have a short list, but uh, I, it's a good list. Um, I, I need a new rangefinder. You know, I'm kind of a dinosaur. <laughs> I, I have refused to adapt to the times. I've tried various apps on my phone, um, you know, on the golf course, and I found that they really just slow down play. Uh, these GPS apps can be off by several yards. And uh, But on the other side, I have given in the fact it would be nice to have the exact yardage when working with my students on the range or if I'm trying to dial in a certain yardage on the range. Um, so I, I need a new range finder, so I, I would really like that. There's some good ones out there, Golf Buddy, uh, Bushnell. Um, they all have great products. Uh, I think there are some – Golf Buddy has some deals here in December, actually, uh, with some $100 uh, rebate uh, if we on purchase. You send it in, get 100 bucks back. So that gets them down very reasonable. Um, you know, I really need some new woods and irons. Um, my clubs now are probably over four years old, and uh, I've added and done some different stuff. But um, – and I know the new technology is better, plus I've gotten a little older and my swing speed's a little slower, so I really do need a club fitting. So Santa, a club fitting, and 
some better irons in the woods, uh, maybe tailor-made, maybe ping, you know, just just to give you an idea. Carlos, um, I, 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 you know, I really like the golf attire. I, you know, I like to look good on the course. You know, one should always look and feel the very best. Um, you know, I just got a new uh, quarter zip uh, slip over from the uh, from Carnoustie that feels like my when I put it on, it feels like my favorite sweatshirt. It's so comfortable, but it looks good enough for any occasion. I mean, you can wear it to business events, you can wear it out social. I mean, it's really nice. So Carnoustie, you know, I like the Carnoustie sweaters. I have several Antigua golf shirts with the dry wicking technology. They look good. They're very comfortable. They wash up so great. They look like new when you take them out of the dryer. So Santa, you know, a couple more Antigua shirts along with maybe a Carnoustie sweater. Uh, that would that would be great. So let me get to the big stuff now, Carlos. I mean, that's the nice stuff. You know, that's really good. But I, I really need a golf trip to, to Scotland. Santa, if you're listening... And I really need to see the old course. I need to see the town of St. Andrews. I want to go to Carnoustie. I want to see King's Barnes, Inverness, and, you know, on and on. You know, Santa, I, you know, I've really been, I've really wanted this for a long time. So can, can you please help me out this year? I, this, this, is a, this, is, this would be really nice. And then number one, Carlos, um, some of this, you know, this is – in a way, I'm very lucky. You know, I've had the opportunity to play some of the best golf courses in the country. I, you know, I've got some good stuff coming up for next year, and, I, and I'm very grateful for that. But, but there are a few that I've not played yet: um, Banded Dunes, Cabot Cliffs, St. Valley, Aaron Hill, just to name a couple. You know, Santa. Again, you know, I, I, I thank you so much. I get to play a lot of good stuff, but. Uh, I really want to get the Band of Dunes and Sand Valley and Aaron Hills. They are, I really want to see them. So I've really been a pretty good boy this year. I mean, don't talk to my wife. She probably won't say that. But uh, yeah, I try. I really try hard. Um, and inside Santa, as always, I, I'll leave a little bit of 12-year-old Glenn Finnich on the mantle for you. So just in case it's cold at night or, you know, kind of warm you up just a little bit. So. Thank you, Santa. Fred, <laughs> uh, my, in, I am just going to read to you a letter I sent Santa this year. You wrote, a, you wrote a letter for Santa. I, I read it. I sent a letter. Yeah. Let me read it. Let me when read. was the last time? When was the tell me when was the last time you wrote a letter to Santa? I don't know, but Santa's response. He said it's been a long time since I heard from you. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but you know. I just wrote to him, Dear Santa, I know it must seem weird for a 47-year-old man to write a letter to you, but ever since I saw you hanging from my tree, carrying your golf clubs, uh, I fear it couldn't hurt. You know? So how does this work again? Uh, oh, yes, yes, I remember. Well, I have been a good boy again this year. <laughs> you know, while I played golf, I did not always enjoy it as much as I should. It is just a game. Does that ever happen to you? Here's some golf toys I would really like, Santa. I would really like. A new driver. I have never been particularly happy with the one I own. By the way, Santa, how do you get distance off the tee in the North Pole? Wow. 
Second, I am sure, I sure would like to dump my three and four irons in favor of a hybrid. Have any suggestions? Third, I deserve a chance to hit the ball straight. I am improving. <laughs> I am eating less people, less trees. But I think my game, and for the sake of the preservation of Mother Nature and people's heads, I deserve to hit the ball straight. Like Fred, I also want a rangefinder. I know my wife says it feeds my appetite for new information. I just think it's fun to use. And it's time, Santa. With, you know, with all the white out conditions you, you endure, you must be an expert on rangefinders. Also golf shirts. I agree with Fred. It's how you look that it's important, right? And uh, the perfect golf ball. <laughs> I played with the Titleist Pro V1. Should I try something different? And finally, also, let me join Fred on his trip to Scotland. That way we can go meet face-to-face with our friend and colleague, the European guru, Kieran Clark, and we'll finally see who is the best of the worst at St. Andrews. That's about it. That's about it. After Christmas, I assume you will take some golf vacation time. We can always use a fourth in Trump International and Puerto Rican March. I bet it will be in high demand now that he's the president of the U.S., so let me know ahead of time. Merry Christmas, Santa. <laughs> That's great. That's good stuff, bro. <laughs> well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of options out there, Carlos, and I should just say that, um, you know, visit your local pro shop, visit your local golf shop. Yeah, Dick's, Golf Galaxy, Golf Smith, all this stuff is out there. But, uh, you know, these local pros, these local shops have stuff in there, and, and uh, they, they know what the pricing is. They're not that far off. So give them, give them a shot. Yeah, you know, Fred, what I, what I said previously was on a personal fun note, but my personal serious wishes for everyone out there goes similar to what you're saying. And I'm going to tell you six wishes I have. And number one is I really want the, the game of golf to grow for club rosters uh, to be full, for people to see the value and benefit of the game of golf in their lives. Wish number two would be I want every single one of you to test yourself in some sort of an individual tournament, net, scratch, match play, stroke play, whatever. The feeling of knowing there's no one to bail you out, to know the shot you're about to hit matters. That's an experience every golfer should know. You'll appreciate the game more, and no matter what you shoot, how you finish, you'll be able you will, you'll be able to play for it, player for it. The wish number three is give back. You know, buy a kid a lesson, buy a kid a sleeve of golf, give a kid your lucky ball if you encounter them on the course. Instead of playing through that group of two kids, join them, and be an adult while you're at it. If kids see you acting like a jackass on the course. They'll do the same. Then watch them play. The enthusiasm they have and curse their shots, all of them, it will wear off on you, I promise. Basically, what I'm saying is be a good example. Wish number four, play like a kid. It's a game. It's fun. We wouldn't have started playing if it wasn't. Wish number five, buy something from your club, just like you said, Fred. Sure, that shirt club, dozen balls, glove, or whatever may be a few dollars more expensive than it is at a discount big box retailer. But your pro is trying to make a living providing you with a service. 
take advantage of that. And while you're at, take a lesson. Wish number six is get to know someone you're randomly paired with on the course. Some of my best friends are people I met on the first tee on the local meetings. And Fred, last but not least, play faster. You know, your first read is always the right. It's the second, third, and subsequent ones that make you miss. So my big, my wish, biggest wish for all is go low, Fred. Go low. Yeah, those are those are really good, Carlos. Uh, I love those a lot. Great job on that. Well, with that, we'll wrap up all our practice range. Those were our wishes. We certainly hope you enjoy them. And, hey, just enjoy the great game of golf. Go out there and play it. We're going to take a, our last short break. When we come back, we have our VIG, our Alicia Larson. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraftSports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraftSports. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back in now. It's time for our VIG, very important guest of the week. Her name is Alicia Larson. She has been a Class A LPGA teaching professional for over 30 years. And he's the author of The Missing Link, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf. She has received numerous awards for her teaching, including being recognized by Golf Digest, Golf for Women, as Top 50 Teacher, and received the Midwest Section Teacher of the Year Award in 2014. For several years, she has promoted the concept of gratitude golf and has shared her love for golf to be the best coach possible for all her students. She has made a difference in their lives by helping them reach their full potential. Her mission is to help every golfer enjoy the game more and realize the immense pleasure from playing golf. Fred, set us a, a little bit, set us up for this interview. Yeah, Alicia's been a longtime teacher and uh, recognized uh, for her uh, teaching over the years. Um, she started something called Gratitude Golf, which really helped bring her back to golf after her injury. Um, she really hit out in the basement of her house. It was hard for her to get out of her house. And Gratitude Golf uh, started out by giving back, giving to someone uh, kind of like giving forward kind of thing. And that helped motivate her to just get going and, and, and get things started again. And so over time, all of these things have kind of uh, built up and she's had all these great ideas. And so she, one of the things that she's been involved with uh, is self-talk uh, to motivate yourself and to make sure that your mind is in the right, right, uh, right place. So this book talks about self-talk and how to use that. And so we talked a little bit about that uh, in the interview, Carlos. Here it is. We are happy to welcome Alicia Larson to the Back Nine Report. 
She has been a Class A LPGA teaching professional for over 30 years and currently resides in the Columbus, Ohio area. She has received numerous awards for her teaching over the years, including being recognized by Golf Digest Golf for Women as a Top 50 Teacher and received the Midwest Section Teacher of the Year Award in 2014. For several years, she has promoted the concept of gratitude golf, she shared her love of golf to be the best coach possible for her students and has helped make a difference in their lives by helping them reach their full potential. Her mission is to help every golfer enjoy the game more and realize the immense pleasure from playing golf well. And now from that endeavor, and over a span of years, Alicia has authored a book called The Missing Link, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf. Alicia... We're happy to have you join us today. Give us a brief overview of this new book, of, of what you've been working on. I know you've put a lot of time and effort into it. Thank you so much, Fred. It's it's an honor to be on your show again, and, and I always love to uh, share my thoughts with you and your, your audience. Um, my book is really, uh, it was over a lot of years I just kept saying I was going to, someday I'm going to write a book, and, and uh, so I just, all of a sudden when I met Dr. Helmstetter and uh, we put our thoughts together as far as like how this book should maybe the first book lay out and he encouraged me to write a book that's kind of telling people how I started in golf and more a bit anecdotal but yet sending the message of uh, the power of self-talk and I combined it with golf and life because I've always thought as we all know that golf does teach us a lot of life lessons so um, that's how it got started so this is a book of a lot of stories about my life and how it's impacted both negative and positive um, how how it impacted my life and uh, the self-talk and the power of it. I know you've had some difficulties over the years. You had some, uh, you got hit by a golf ball and it put you down for quite a while and had to kind of re-energize yourself to get back at it and get back on the horse and, and get going. And so you involved, you you you, you in, evolved the gratitude golf and, and, and had to find the real meaning of, of what you're doing, right? That is correct. I That was a nice, um, well, it wasn't nice, but it was a time that I could reflect and look back and say, what what do I really want to do with my career? And I, I you know, as I, as I mentioned in the book, my mother had told me, you know, if you want to feel good about yourself, uh, do something nice for somebody else. So I, I kind of took that very basic concept and started implementing that into my life. And it just kind of grew into my company. And then, and then and from there on, it was everything that the, the main purpose was about gratitude. So uh, that's that's a, that's the common denominator in all of this. Uh, so, you know, the the message about reaching your full potential and, and being grateful, I've, I've literally taught people on the lesson tee. One young girl said, I don't even know how to live one day at a time. So I encouraged her to just, you know, write a gratitude journal. And after the day, three things that, that you were really grateful for that made, made your heart, you know, skip a beat or you made you stop in your steps and go, wow, that's amazing. And that helped her to learn to live one day at a time. So those kinds of things um, are helping both her life right now as she, you know, goes into college. And then also, um, you know, her golf game, she's much happier and, and a lot more relaxed. So that, that does help. If I understand correctly, self-talk, which this book is uh, using self-talk to become more relaxed and become more self-assured, it, mm-hmm. it's a means to scientifically change the neural pathways in the brain and create positive thoughts that will improve your game as well as your life. That is correct. So we uh, mentioned, you know, and I mentioned this is all about self-talk, as we know. Um, 
self-talk is everything we say to ourselves, you know, whether in our thoughts or out loud about ourselves in our lives. So it, it works with the things we experience, things we've heard from others maybe, uh, things we've read or observed regarding ourselves and the world around us and our lives, you know, to form the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and our potential. So the neuroplasticity comes into place when we say, all right, that is the scientific proven research that's done that says, you know, we have the ability to change, physically change, according to the programming that it gets from our self-talk, uh, creating a new pathway of neurons and receptors in such a way that our, our most repeated input creates the strongest pathways and the most powerful programs to manage our lives. So, you know, that's why I, ne- I did not put the title of the book as the power of positive self-talk because golfers need to know it's the power of self-talk. So it can go either way, and, and we have to make that choice, and, and we have to have the tools. You know, we have to be able to know how to do that and what to do with it when when we are in, a, you know, the middle of something that's maybe not a very good situation, either off the course or on the course. In the foreword to your book by Dr. Shad Helmstetter, he mm-hmm. says, during the time of more than 30 years of writing in the field of personal growth and studying the subject, of why some people manage to create exceptional lives while others don't. I have found the game of golf to be an almost perfect metaphor for the game of life, but I had never found it until Alicia Larson, a master of both golf and life, brought it to life in this book. That sounds like a, a pretty a pretty nice compliment, and, and you are able to, because of your experience in golf, you're able to take this teaching, this maybe life improvement and tie them together so you're able to cross over from golf to life. Yes, that, that's a very, I'm very grateful for Dr. Helmstetter. That is a very nice um, compliment that he, that he shared with the world when he put that in his forward. Uh, that, is, that is the entire point of what, what we, the message we want to get out there, that, that this is really powerful. Uh, I don't believe people really understand um, how to change it, and and so when we when we implement this, and I, I ask people to stop and you know listen to themselves, say what they're saying to themselves. Uh, you know, my job is to teach them how to reframe that, and and then get a better outcome and potential because their potential is always there. Um, we seem to um, either intentionally or unintentionally sabotage our own our own achieve you know achieving goals and that sort of thing and whatever we have whatever we have in our mind that we want to to go after so uh, I, I kind of bring that to light and say you know I want your awareness to be more tuned into what you're saying to yourself and if it is it's self-sabotaging and then we reframe it and help them you know reach their goals so Dr. Helmstetter and I when we when we combined our golf and life have always thought that that it does teach us a lot about it but I've actually helped people. I had a, a gentleman at my book signing a couple of weeks ago come up to me, and he said he's read it twice. But he said, I have a lot of health issues, and I can get really down on myself, and things can get looking pretty bad. But he said, I really have appreciated this book, maybe even sometimes more from the golf perspective, or the life perspective, excuse me, than the golf. Um, but it's done wonders for both his golf game and his life. So he's he's very appreciative of how you can change your paradigm and how you can change your perspective just through your awareness of what you're saying to yourself. You talk a little bit about using affirmations, you know, daily affirmations, uh, repeating them to yourself. 
you have those for the golf course. You have those uh, for the daily life uh, that you would do maybe when you're brushing your teeth in the morning or taking your shower or getting around for your day. These are important steps to kind of changing that mindset, mindset, aren't they? They're very important steps, and, and that's the from the time we wake up, um, you know, how we how we think and how we approach our day. And, you know, self-talk just reframes the current situation at hand. It assists us in redirecting our thoughts. And, the, and then thus it increases our percentage of a more positive outcome, and that could be, you know, in my workplace, it could be on, you know, on the on the tee. It could be on the, you know, on the golf course in the middle of a round. It is just anywhere you look. It, you know, it, it does help us perform better. Uh, and and even as a just a person in general, just wanting to be a better person in life. So th- that is the message, the core message that we're always trying to, um, you know, give people on a constant and just raise their awareness of that. So yes. Just real quickly. Um... You and I both know really uh, fabulous low handicap golfers mm-hmm. that are never happy, even when they're posting scores around par. They always feel they they want to hit it farther. They need to hit it straighter. They need to make more pots. Uh, they're not happy with their wedge game. How just real briefly? How can self talk help these people relax their mind, accept these shots? accept their limitations, and move on and, in the end, perform better and feel better about themselves? That's a really good question, and, and I've I've experienced um, not just low handicap, but any type of golfer when they reach their goal and they finally maybe have reached it, they say, wow, if I could have, I shot a 93 today, but I wanted to break 100, but, boy, I left a lot of putts out there, or, you know, I had a drive that, you know, got me in trouble, or I hit one in the water. and So I think whatever level you're at, you can always kind of sing that song. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the biggest things that golfers and I think, you know, like non-golfers and we as people need is a, a bit more patience. And so we want to try to, scientifically, if you're talking about this, we want to try to say sentences and affirmations, you know, like, I, you know, I have a lot of patience or um, with life it's one step at a time or one day at a time. With with golfers it could be, you know, fairway, then green is the process. Um you know, I'll be nice to myself. I'm going to enjoy my good shots and forgive my bad shots. So those are kinds of affirmations that we really would like to, you know, take with us on the golf course, and they're very helpful. You know, we saw this year a perfect example of this. Um, Aria Jutanagarn realized early in the year that she was not enjoying the game. She was too hard on herself mm-hmm. and decided to change the whole process. And I, I, I got to see her play several times this year, and, and she was much more relaxed on the golf course. She always had a smile, even when she made a mistake or something didn't go her way. She just seemed to just brush it off and, okay, I'm just going to go get the next shot and enjoy the day. Uh, that And that really worked for her. I mean, she had an outstanding year on the LPGA. Mm-hmm. That is that is the the epitome of, of how she just changed looking at things. So if she's willing to forgive herself for making a shot that wasn't, you know, their most desired outcome, um, you know, not beating yourself up for that and saying, you know, when you finally hit a good one, saying, you know, way to go, stupid, you finally hit a good one, that <laughs> type of thing, you know. Well, it's about time. So I have I have a lot of that. Um, I did a lot of that back in the day. So uh, I know I know the feeling. So it it really is, you know, you it's about mental toughness and being in control of your thoughts. And so I tell my students all the time, listen, you either are going to be in control of your emotions or your emotions are going to control you. 
And so we know that we want to be the person that's in charge of them, and we can take we make choices all the time to either say a negative thought to ourselves or a positive one. And so I'm encouraging my students all the time to change the paradigm of how they're thinking, even though it's in a in, you know in a situation that might not be a very fun one. It might be uncomfortable. We know we're going to have that happen. Uh, you could. You know, you could have the perfect golf swing, Fred, and, and, and have a mental meltdown on the golf course, and there's not much that, you know, can save us in that moment. So scientifically, I was mentioning earlier, I, I forgot to mention about the amygdala in our brain. If the amygdala fires off and that's where the emotions are and you get too far down the road, we make, you know, decisions that aren't in our best interest. We, we call it kind of, in quotations, we call it we get kind of stupid and we get brain fog and, we don't make those proper decisions and we just let things, I don't know how many times you and I have millions of golfers have said, wow, after that, you know, that whole, I got a triple, I just went double, triple, double, double, you know, or something to that end where they just couldn't get it back. And then once they settled down, they got back on track a little bit and, you know, got their swing, you know, their synchronizing of their swing back and their timing and kind of settled down after, after the blow up. But this is about, this is about mental toughness and being in charge of your own thoughts and your own, Decision making. <laughs> We've been talking with Alicia Larson, a longtime LPGA teaching professional and author of the book *The Missing Link: The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf*. The book offers a universal message to both golfers and non-golfers alike: Be kind to yourself because it matters. The book will help you identify negative self-talk issues that will sabotage not only your golf game but your life. It also provides drills and methods to change those negatives into positives that will improve your performance and create less tension in your life and golf game. The book can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Simply type in The Missing Link, Alicia Larson. That's A-L-E-C-I-A, Alicia Larson. Larson with an E-L-A-R-S-E-N. This would make a great gift for your favorite golfer or someone you know that struggles with negative thoughts that are making their life less than it should be. Alicia, again, thanks so much for talking with us. Is there any closing thought that you might have for us today? Well, I again, I appreciate the opportunity to share my message to the golfers and, and just just know that I, I believe that, you know, we work on our swing and our mechanics are, are important. Um, and But, again, you know, there are, I would like to have people work on their mental game just as much as they do their, their, men, their physical mechanics. Uh, because I do believe it really influences our outcomes. I've seen it hundreds of times, if not thousands. And so I'd encourage everybody to work on this part of the game and read this book and get some nuggets from it and, uh, you know, combine both the mechanics and the mental game. And I believe that your your outcomes will be a lot better. Thank you, Lisa. Have a great holiday. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you have it. That was Alicia Larson, LPGA teaching pro for over 30 years and the author of The Missing Link. Well, we have only a couple of minutes left, so we're going to run through the final parts right away. And I'm going to start talking about, you know, uh, this past week uh, it was open again, uh, the golf course after the North course at Torrey Pines golf course reopened uh, 20 yearly awaiting golfers after following a nine-month $12.6 million renovation by Tom Weisskopf. It suffered uh, various changes uh, from the original one, uh, mainly the number of bunkers was reduced, the average green size was increased, uh, car paths had been replaced, but most importantly, I think uh, 
you can mention that the greens were fitted with an advanced sub air subsystem that pulls moisture out of the surface and can cool the greens during hot weather. So that would be nice. And this was a project special to, for Tom Weibskopf, who uh, his first career win came at Torrey Pines in 1968. And uh, now he did the whole redesign of that course. Also, the Web.com Tour announced Thursday that the Atlantic Beach Country Club, which served as the host of the 2016 Web.com Tour Championship, will return to the 2017 calendar as host venue for the tour season-ending event. So you might remember this year, the Tour Championship uh, of the Web.com Tour was canceled the day prior to the opening round due to Hurricane Matthew, who forced the mandatory evacuation of Atlantic Beach, Florida, and other places. Also, the Philippine Masters is set to join the European Tour and Asian Tour schedules in 2018 as a co-sanctioned tournament after the signing of a three-year deal, which will take the tournament through 2020. Fred, all tours want a piece of the prime Asian market. They keep expanding and announcing strategic partners and and, and tournaments, so they're more the merrier. Yeah, Carlos, I got a couple things just real quick. Uh, USGA opened a... Uh, online golf shop evidently that's the uh, best way to help improve the game uh, with its 100 million that it gets every year from the talks um learning to play golf even frustrates future baseball hall of famers uh Derek jeter has turned into since he quit playing baseball he's turned into a real uh, golfaholic but he says uh yeah he says it's really frustrating the ball's just sitting there you know i hit a 96 mile an hour fastball but i can't hit the golf i can hit it hard but I don't know where it's going. So even Jeter, uh, even Hall of Famers have problems playing golf. Uh, it's time to sign up again for Little Linksters' uh, best peewee golf swing. Uh, visit uh, littlelinksters.com to find the uh, sign-up for that. Uh, judges this year are Andrew B. Johnson, Brooke Henderson, Jack Nicholas, Tony Jacklin, Lauren Thompson, Nicole Weller, uh, Tom Reed, um, Michelle and Michelle Holmes, and, of course, Brendan Elliott. Uh, the organizer of Little Linksters. So, again, uh, log on to littlelinksters.com. You can also view the videos from last year's contestants. And uh, it's 9.30, so I'm not going to read this last. I'll I'll save it for another time. Well, Fred, to Derek Jeter, I'll just tell him to remember the words of the immortal Hank Aaron. He said, it took me 17 years to get 3,000 hits in baseball. It took me one afternoon on the golf course. Back Niners, that wraps up another week of the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our VIG, very important guest of the week, Alicia Larson, LPGA Teaching Pro and author of The Missing Link. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, check it out on iTunes or tune in. And if you haven't done so, follow the show. On Twitter, our ID is at Back9Report with the number nine in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alpeter. And in the words of the immortal Ben Hogan, as you walk down the fair way of life, you must smell the roses for you only get to play one round. That is why we always end up the show wishing you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody.